right, guys, welcome back to Southeastern 14. Back here once again for our weekly discussion with uh, Brian Edwards here. And uh, before I forget, as always, I'm going to put Brian's uh, banner up at the bottom. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you can see exactly uh, what Brian does. We said a senior handicapper at Vegas Insider. Find his work, majorwager.com, brianedwardsports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. Uh, a lot of great discussion so far, Brian, as we've talked over the past couple of weeks, getting ready for week zero and week one, specifically in the SEC. We know there's an SEC team playing uh, in week zero with Vanderbilt and Hawaii. But before we jump into that, here, here's how we're going to we're gonna gift the people this. So we're going to say that we, we know there's all SEC fans basically watching this stuff. But if you're an SEC fan, my guess is sometimes you're going to bet non-SEC games. So because we have Brian, who is a, a two-decade-plus veteran here of uh, the, the betting sphere, Brian's going to kind of give his thoughts on some other games too, especially when you look at this week zero slate, which is again not one that's very filled with, um, you know, maybe the most appealing matchups for SEC fans. But I know, Brian, you mentioned um, you are interested in a couple different plays here outside the SEC in week zero. Yep. Um, you know, we've already talked about how I like Hawaii Vandy over, and uh, I believe I mentioned, I forget if we talked about it two weeks ago or last week or maybe a little both, but um, it was, you know, in that 54, 55 range. And I suspected it was going to get to 56, which is a multiple of seven. So a very uh, key number on a total, just like for sides, three, seven, 10, 14, et cetera. So it looks like there's only one 55 and a half left out there. That's at the South Point. Uh, most books at 56, but Circa has moved uh, to 56 and a half. And I see one offshore, or Caesars also is 56 and a half, and one offshore is 56 and a half. So um, if you agree with my uh, thought process and, and like the over, um, I hope you already got it. But if not, um, make sure you get it at 56 or less, or if it's 56 and a half, I'd buy the half point to the key number of 56, just in case it hits right on there. Nine times seven being 56 there, you know, certainly is that chance. Um, uh, also have two other plays, uh, in week zero, I'm on Navy plus 21 and, uh, Notre Dame has moved to 21 at, at quite a few books. Uh, there's still some 20 and one halves. If, um, if you agree with my thinking, you're going with Navy and your number's 20 and one half, I would buy the half point for minus 120 juice to 21. Um, some of my thinking on Navy, um, they did go four and eight last year and got rid of their coach, but um, they were six and zero against the spread as a double digit underdog in their last 13 as a double digit underdog. They're 11 and two against the spread. They only lost by more than 21 one time last year. And um, in the last 31 games, they've only lost by more than 21 three times. And if Notre Dame had been favored by exactly 21 in the last 21 head-to-head -head meetings with Navy, Navy would be 14-6-1 uh, ATS. So I think Sam Hartman's a major upgrade at quarterback for Notre Dame. I, I think they are going to be a little better. Uh, but remember, this is a team that lost outright to a horrible Stanford team and to Marshall at home uh, last year, and they lost their stud uh, tight end. Now, I think I think Hartman's going to have a big year. I think Notre Dame is going to win, but I think they win by 14, 17, or even 20, or 20 or fewer is obviously <laughs> what we're uh, looking for here. The, the only one that I've added here the last couple of days, uh, I added New Mexico State yesterday when they dipped down to six uh they had been 
you know, they opened nine and a half. Now, granted, that was months ago. And they're at home to UMass, uh, by the way. And um, it had been steadily moving down and all of a sudden jumped from uh, seven and a half uh, to six and a half at a lot of books. I think I said yesterday. I, I meant to say Tuesday. And um, I actually took the bait yesterday and bet them uh, minus six and a half. So here is some reasoning why. And also it's back up to seven, but as long as it's seven or less, I'm still bullish on Jerry kills uh, New Mexico state Aggie. So uh, they went uh, two and 10 in 2021, but then they hired Jerry Kill, the former head coach at Minnesota and Northern Illinois, and they made a five-win jump last year. They finished seven and six straight up, eight and five against the spread, and they actually started one and five, but they won six of their last seven uh, regular season games, and in those six wins, they won by double-digit margins five times, including a 49 uh, to 14 win at Liberty as a 24 and a half point road underdog. And then they won their bowl game uh, over Bowling Green. And New Mexico State brings back nine starters on offense and four on defense, including their dual threat quarterback, Diego Pavia, uh, who ran for 508 yards, six touchdowns, 5.5 yards per carry last year. And um, he also threw 13 touchdown passes compared to only two interceptions in their last uh, six games. So he got hot uh, late in the year throwing it, and he's a good dual threat guy. UMass, on the other hand, won an 11 straight up last year, their only outright win over an FCS foe, Stony Brook, and they lost uh, by double digits nine times. They lost by 17 or more eight times, and they have lost by double digits to New Mexico State each of the last uh, two years, 23 to 13 in Amherst last year and 44 to 27 in Las Cruces uh, two years ago. So I'm going to go with New Mexico State minus six and a half is what I got it, but I'm okay with it at minus seven. And those are my three week zero picks, Navy plus 21, Hawaii Vandy over hopefully less than 56, but no higher than 56 and uh, New Mexico State minus seven or fewer. Auburn fans, you'll get to see both New Mexico State and uh, LSU this season. So there's your your or excuse me, not LSU, UMass. Uh, you can see LSU too, unfortunately, maybe. So um, that may not be as fun, but yeah. So so Auburn will play uh, UMass on September the second, and they play New Mexico State week before the Iron Bowl on November the eighteenth. So there's your your common thread, Auburn fans. If you want to start scouting. Uh, for the upcoming game. So you can do that in week uh, zero. But all right, Brian, let's talk about some uh, player props. That's kind of the the focus of this particular episode. Uh, you sent a lot of information uh, on just looking at some of these different player props for SEC players heading into the 2023 season. And I know there are some that, that you find more uh, intriguing in terms of betting than others, but we will also go through just some of the, the numbers on um, the ones maybe you're not betting as well. But I know there's one in particular that you you really like. Uh, you, you you made that clear to me, and we're both on the, the same page here in terms of we've talked about this Arkansas team and specifically this offense and the numbers they could be capable of putting up. And one person in particular, Rocket Sanders, uh, is someone that uh, very interesting this year when you look at some of these player props heading into the season. We fully expect him to keep going in the direction of putting up even bigger numbers, and it seems like some of these player props uh, could certainly uh, kind of support 
um, some, some money there with, with Rocket Sanders and really a very impressive season for him. Yes. Yeah, so um, DraftKings has Rocket Sanders uh, rushing yards going over or under at 1,200.5. So you'll need 1,201 yards or more on the over or 1,200 yards or fewer if you like the under it's a minus 115 price uh either way on it i like it over so last year he runs for 1443 yards and averaged 6.5 yards per carry um i think the offensive line uh is maybe gonna be a little bit better um and you know you got kj uh, the threat of the pass, you know, may, maybe the receiver group is not looked upon as as well. You know, you lose Hasselwood, Landers, you know, the tight end Trey Knox transferred to South Carolina. Now they've got some D2 guys that they're high on and they got a Bowling Green uh, transfer, Tyrone Broden, who was considered a, a four star uh, transfer by the 247 Sports composite but i mean i i, I mean and the, look they'll still be still be balanced but if anything i think that you know sanders might even get more touches and they might even yeah. be a little more uh run focused i really i just think our only concern here is if he gets hurt now that's that's a big doggone concern i mean it's the yeah. sec uh and if we're talking about even more of a workload from 222 uh carries um you know that he can get hurt on any given place. So that's the fear, but um, that's why they call it gambling. And uh, I, I, I think he could even miss a game or two uh, and still go over this. So I'm not saying it's an enormous play. I've already got a good investment on over uh, Arkansas over, um, you know, six and a half wins that we've previously uh, discussed. But uh, I did make um, a, a medium-sized play on Rocket Sanders over 1,200 and a half. Now, he also has touchdown, uh, rushing touchdown stat that is nine and a half, uh, and he ran for 10 last year. But um, that's a pass for me because, you know, when they're down on the goal line, it's not a a given and it goes to Rocket because KJ uh, could, you know, often uh, get those touches. And, you know, KJ had nine uh, rushing touchdowns. Uh, last year and actually uh, Dubinian the backup running back he had five rushing touchdowns uh, as well so not always a guarantee Rocket will get those touches down uh, deep so uh, that is a pass for me Uh, I'll throw out the other the only other running back at least at FanDuel or DraftKings from the SEC that um, that has rushing over unders is Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss and he has 1,275 and a half yards. And then his touchdown uh, prop is 13 and a half. And just for going off last year, his true freshman season, he had uh, 1,567 yards rushing and 16 touchdowns. And uh, I will say that uh, Ulysses Bentley um, has been, you know, injury prone again in camp this August, like he was you know, last year, and they were thinking he was going to maybe be that number two back with Zach Evans gone. Um, So maybe that will equate to more uh, touches for Judkins. And he did have more attempts than uh, Rocket last year. He had 274. So, uh, yeah, do what you wish with that. No no real um, opinion on that. I mean, obviously he went over uh, those numbers, well over those numbers uh, last year. But, uh, yeah, our listeners can 
do with that what they wish. To, to stick with the Arkansas theme, because like we said, I think there's a lot of intrigue just in terms of, you know, whether KJ runs as much this year, um, you know, as he did last year in this Dan Enos offense. And we talked about that a lot uh, in the offseason, just in terms of um, kind of the dynamic there. And like you said, maybe that leads to Rocket Sanders getting more opportunities, but, but we know KJ can still run. Um, so I know you've kind of sent the numbers on KJ Jefferson here. I think it's uh, 2,625.5 uh, in terms of the passing yards. That's on DraftKings, minus 115 there, uh, either way on that. And passing touchdowns, uh, 23.5, also at DraftKings on that one, minus 115 uh, as well. I mean, again, I feel like this is one that's that's hard to know, like I said, with a new offensive coordinator and exactly what they're going to do and if there are any significant changes. I don't think it's going to be significant, but I do think there's some curiosity there just in terms of, well, does does one guy or the other, do the numbers change um, dramatically one way or the other? I can't anticipate that, but it is at least something to think about with those two. Yeah, so um, let's also remember, you know, KJ missed uh, the Mississippi yep. State game, uh, missed the LSU game. Uh, I only think he missed like a series or two late in the Alabama game. Um, I think I believe it was a concussion uh, that had him out uh, against Mississippi State. I want to say it was a shoulder LSU. But so, you know, even with missing two games, he still threw for 2,648 yards, which is slightly over, um, you know, the number uh, we're looking at at DraftKings, 2,625 and a half. And he just by one half, but he did go over the 23 and a half uh, touchdowns to 24. But um, it's a pass uh, for me. But, I, you know, I would think if KJ stays healthy, uh, I think you would go over the passing yards. I, I wouldn't want to fool with the touchdown. I'm not, I'm not going to fool with either, but um, I, I would lean over on the passing yards um, out of, you know, thinking and hoping he, he would stay healthy. But again, you know, uh, KJ, uh, you know, he runs a lot. He is a big boy, though. He's a, he's, he can kind of put the hurt on the certainly the secondary guys uh, when they come up to uh, tackle him. I um. I would be more worried about their health than uh, KJ's, but those are both (laughs) passes for me. Yeah. Jaden Daniels, I know is another one that a lot of people are talking about. And again, we'll just put the numbers out there on him. Um, You mentioned he's the only SEC quarterback at FanDuel right now, currently listed uh, 18 and a half on this one for passing touchdowns um, in the regular season. And then 2,675 for passing yards. We go to DraftKings. Um, They've got Jaden Daniels at 2,650 and a half for that one. Um, minus 115 they're passing touchdowns from Jaden Daniels 18 and a half minus 115 as well on that one um you know again we've talked about just the expectations for for Jaden Daniels this LSU offense anything that just stands out one way or the other uh, with any of those numbers there with him well just in comparison to last year he did throw for 2,913 so he did go over that last year uh, on the touchdowns he was under that uh, as he had 17 passing touchdowns now he did have um 11 um rushing touchdowns uh well, since we're talking lsu i'll throw out malik uh neighbors's uh receiving yards as well which um at fanduel it was uh 850 and one half and at DraftKings it was um i'm not see- oh here we go 
it was 901 half. So mm-hmm. for those that have FanDuel and DraftKings, if you want to get a hedge and <laughs> you, you, you got 49 and a half yards to work yeah. with there, maybe, maybe you could hit uh, both. But Neighbors had um, uh, 72 catches for 1,017 yards uh, and three uh, touchdowns last year. His touchdowns uh, prop is at seven and a half uh, at DraftKings. And uh, did he have one? At, oh, and it's wow, it's eight and a half at um at uh FanDuel. So there you go, a couple of hedge opportunities if it hits eight or um or between those other two numbers I referenced, then uh, maybe you could get multiple uh, winners. But uh, that's one I'm gonna um stay away from. I do think neighbors legit all American candidate, and I um I certainly think. Uh, that he could have uh, a big year. And, and so I'm a pass on uh, him and, and Daniels' stats. And, and, you know, I wonder, I mean, look, I don't think uh, Daniels on a short leash at all, but, you know, um, Nussmeyer, I mean, there's a lot of positive talk about him. You know, you wonder if, you know, maybe Kelly will experiment with maybe giving him a series on offense in the first half of games, maybe late first quarter, early second. Um so that could maybe take away from some of Daniels' uh, stats. But let's be clear, he's got an outstanding uh, receiver core, uh, ranked uh, 12th, uh, at least in Phil Steele's uh, national uh, unit rankings. So um, they, they should be a, a prolific passing team. And obviously I love his, uh, his tight, end, tight end, Mason Taylor, who should only get better uh, after a, a really solid true freshman season. Here's one I'm guessing you're also going to pass on. And I just, I I think of the extreme of the comments I've heard on this guy all off season. And we've already talked about it, I think, and Joe Milton. And there are some people who fully are on board with him being one of the top four or five players that are going to compete for the Heisman Trophy. There are other people I know who think that he may not start every game this season. Um, And so I, I think, again, just the wide a range of opinions there on him. Now you've got it here. DraftKings has him uh, in passing yards, 3,000 and a half, uh, 3,000 even there and a half uh, is the point is the, uh, I think it's minus 115 for that. They're passing touchdowns, 24 and a half as well. DraftKings minus 115 on that one. Um, I, I just, again, like I said, I, I can't imagine having confidence in this one right now. And, and it's not because I don't think Joe Milton has the talent. It's just as other people have pointed out, I think you want to see him do this for a full season because we've only had those little short, you know, sample sizes here beating a Vanderbilt, whatever they beat them last year, right? Where he looked great. That's completely different than asking him to go through an entire 12 game regular season. in The sec as the starter. Uh, And so I I think, yeah, (laughs) this is one that I would definitely want no part of, but I at least find the numbers intriguing because those are pretty big numbers. So. Yeah, I mean, that's the highest number we've got of the SEC yeah. quarterbacks, and we'll, we'll get to um, Spencer Rattler uh, here in a minute. But, I mean, Milton's number is um, – make sure I'm doing my math right – throw it 350 yards higher uh, than the next closest uh, guy, which was, was Daniels. So, Milton at 3,000.5 uh, yards. So, just to give you an idea of let's say Milton stays healthy, starts all year – you know, the five-star uh, true freshman doesn't, you know, uh, get it 
the significant snaps or i mean if he gets mop-up duty you know that's obviously expected yeah. but but just to base it off of hypo's offense so last year hooker threw and remember he missed uh the last uh two games or wait no oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well because we're but th- okay i'm sorry i don't know i don't think i specified this these stats are regular season games only so no bowl game yeah. And no, and no uh, conference championship game. So actually, I guess that's my bad because I've been giving you guys, these guys these stats that does include their bowl game. I probably should have looked up, you know, what Rocket Sanders and Judkins did in the bowl game, and and then subtract. But um, or and then for Jaden Daniels and Neighbors, you know, they got the two extra games that would not count uh, toward this bet. So, um, so with the, these Tennessee stats, I'm about to give you they did count the orange bowl. So they should be a little less than this, but just to, you know, give you an idea. So hooker threw for 3,135 yards. Now he missed uh, the regular season finale at Vandy and did he get hurt in the third quarter of the South Carolina game? But anyway, so he went over the 3,000 and a half yards with, you know, like a game and a half to spare. And then Milton had 971 passing yards, uh, last year. So that's over 4,000 passing yards in Heupel's offense, but it's the extra game uh, in the Orange Bowl. And I can actually tell you how many passing yards uh, they had in that game. They had 251. So, you know, they were still around, you know, 3,750 and, and change in the regular season. Um, but anywho, um, yeah. I'm still not. It's still a pass. I was just uh, giving you the stats, but I am, as our listeners know, I, I am very high on Joe Milton. I think he's going to have a uh, fantastic year, uh, but that is a pass for me. Spencer Riley, as you said, I think is another one that's, you know, this one's probably maybe for some people harder to predict too, uh, maybe than even Joe Milton, um, even as a returning starter. But I think it was just, again, sort of the the differences you saw uh, from Spencer Rattler last season in different games, as we know, um, you know, trying to look great against Tennessee um, and look great kind of to finish the season, had a strong finish. But there were other games where that inconsistency was there. And I think that's the word It's just consistency uh, is what people want to see from him. And so you have the numbers here from DraftKings. Um, 2,600 uh, and a half uh, is uh, the, the the number set there in terms of passing yards, minus 115 on that one. DraftKings passing touchdowns for Spencer Rattler, 18 and a half uh, for that one, minus 125 for the over, minus 105 for the under. Um, again, another one that I think is just, he's got the, here's the thing about Spencer Rattler, and it's the same with Joe Milton, but I mean, he's got the, the tools around him to, put up huge numbers uh, and we see that whether it's juice wells i think the addition of trey knox is huge it's a tight end position um and really we just go down that list i mean this can be a very talented and outstanding offense that puts up numbers but oh this is another one that i think i would want no part of just because again i, I want to see it consistently and i just don't know that we've seen that yet for him there yeah, so last year, and and let's remember, Rattler was victimized by some poor offensive play, especially in the first you know half of the season. Yeah. Now he he finished the year with three thousand and twenty six passing yards, but he had two eighty seven against Notre Dame, so that wouldn't uh, count. And if I did my math right, um, that would give him two thousand seven hundred thirty nine passing yards in the regular season. But yeah. he stayed healthy the whole time. You know, he didn't miss, um, 
let's see, Doty only had 14 passing attempts as the backup. So he basically missed no playing time. And, you know, he got over by about 139 uh, yards. So uh, if there's one that I'm kind of tempted out of the ones that, that we've discussed, and the only one that I've played is Rocket Sanders, this would be the one I, I am slightly uh, tempted on. Now, again, like all of these, when you're doing the over, uh, it's staying healthy. And, you know, can he stay healthy for 12 regular season games, back to back seasons? Um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know that the O line got upgraded a whole lot. I know they, you know, they've got some transfers that they're counting on. Um, one of them from the FCS level, uh, offensive tackle from Western Illinois, uh, that they're hoping uh, is going to step in. They, they also got a transfer from uh, Charlotte with a lot of experience. I, I'm not sure if he's in line to start or not, but um. Yeah, yeah, we'll see on the O line, but uh, Juice Wells and uh, the Nichols Harbor, the five star freshman, uh, you know Xavier Leggett uh, is back. Um, he, he he did not have a, that great of a, a season uh, last year, but he has had some production uh, through the years. Um, so I, if there's one, I would I, I kind of lean over on Rattler. I'm not impl- I haven't played it, uh, and I don't even know if my account offers it one of my accounts did offer sanders so i have played that one um but this is one i would lean over so uh do that do with that what you wish i I lean over on on rattler did i give out the his touchdowns number was 18 and a half and he finished at 18 last year and i think he had a couple touchdown passes against against notre dame so that would mean he went under in the regular season you know, no big opinion on that one. And by the way, uh, Milton's uh, touchdowns, if we didn't mention it, uh, was 24 and a half. Yeah. I think what's interesting, too, about the Rattler number and why I could support, like you said, going over is, do we really know what to expect, I guess, from the South Carolina running game or how they use the running game, too, is, right. is something that I think is, um, you know, a quite, people have asked. I feel like that's one of the, the bigger questions with them. So, yeah, we'll see um, with that. And, again, that could put him in a position to – go over that number if they're just like hey we're, we're all in on um get the ball to juice wells trey knox and everybody else and let's see what happens so all right everybody's favorite heisman candidate that is not in a traditional position and that is brock bowers um at georgia because uh you know i think everyone's expectation is that you know for, for someone like him there's a lot to, to go around on that Georgia offense, but I mean, this is a guy that we've seen just completely dominate um, at will here. And if you look at his numbers right now, um, boy, they, they are very interesting to, to look at here. And I know you've got them here. I think DraftKings receiving yards for Brock Bowers, 725 and a half is the number there, minus 115. The touchdown total, uh, seven and a half, minus 115 on that one. I think, um, is it FanDuel also has, I think FanDuel has eight and a half. Uh, with the under minus 136, the over plus 108 for Brock Bowers and 17, or excuse me, 715 and a half um, for the receiving yards for him at FanDuel. Yeah, so I'm going to Bowers' uh, team page because Georgia had, uh, or his player page is what I meant to say, they had three extra games. So I I need to figure out out what he had in those three extra games to do the statistical uh, comparison. So, all right, it looks like, he had uh, 
Oh, wow. He had a monster game against TCU, 152 yeah. receiving yards and one touchdown. He had 64 receiving yards against Ohio State, no touchdowns against LSU. He had 81 uh, for one touchdown. So that's two extra touchdowns. So he only had five receiving touchdowns in the regular season uh, last year. Uh, let's see. So 81 and 64 is uh, 140. Uh, five and then so uh, so that's uh, like 297 on the receiving yards so that would basically take he had 942 receiving yards so we basically subtract roughly 300 for 642 so he went under these numbers in the regular season last year and and I'm not saying I like it under but you do got to figure in that a lot of these Georgia games are going to be blowouts and Kirby smart is not going to want his best weapon offensively um, to be taking hits in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, at home to UAB at home to UT Martin at home to ball state at Vanderbilt. You know, those are games where, I mean, I just named four right there where I think we can say with some pretty good confidence that, he won't take a snap in the fourth quarter. He's probably not going to have a ton of snaps in the third quarter either uh, of any of those. And maybe we add at Georgia Tech. So maybe that's five games where he's only playing basically a half a game or at most three quarters. And so for all of those reasons, I couldn't even consider an over. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go with an under either because, you know, Kirby's also going to want to make his stud horse happy and get him you know, extra touches in the red zone and, you know, all, all those kind of things you have to factor in. And so for those reasons, uh, Brock Bowers is a pass for me. And obviously he's a pass for me on the Heisman. I believe he was 60 or 65 to one. The last time I looked, uh, I'd rather go with Carson Beck. <laughs> I'm with you. Like I said, I, we, we talked about that on the previous episode. I, I I'm with you. I think Carson Beck is the more interesting option, especially when you consider, like you said, um, just the weapons that are around him and the fact that, you know, if they're sitting there undefeated again and, um, you know, put up however many points per game, he's going to be a big reason for that. So, yeah, I think there's there's good value with Carson Beck. But um, anybody else, Brian, before we wrap up kind of the player prop section, I know these are kind of the main ones we have listed, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to do to put a bow on that. Yeah, no, man, I, I think we I think we touched on every one of them, uh, at least in terms uh, of the SEC players. So, yeah, uh, now that does it. So really in review, Rocket Sanders over twelve hundred and one half rushing yards and then a slight lean uh, to Spencer Rattler plus or I mean, sorry, over twenty six hundred point five uh, passing yards. Something else we were going to bring up is the kind of the, the looking at the the matchup prop at, at DraftKings. I know you mentioned this kind of for most regular season wins. And so you you can explain kind of how this works. Uh, but I know one of the ones you mentioned that you really like, Miami minus 130 versus Arkansas, which is plus 100 uh, on that or or even money on that. Um, and kind of what the way you look at these, you know, a prop like this and what you find most appealing uh, in sort of a lean towards Arkansas and something like that. Yeah, so um, if you didn't hear us discuss Arkansas, you can go back in, in our videos. We had a good, I want to say, six or yeah. seven-minute convo about it. And, and basically, um, I think Arkansas is going to go eight and four and may, maybe nine and three. So that's where I'm at with them. So when I, I broke down Miami, so they've finished five and seven 
uh, straight up last year, two and 10 against the spread. It was year one under Cristobal. Um, His team quit on him, you know, plain and simple. Uh, that's the only, I mean, your, you, your last two home games or no, I'm sorry. Your last, oh, wow. This is what they did in their last five home games last year. They lost 45 to 31 to middle Tennessee as a 25 and a half point favorite. (laughs) They were down double digits that entire game. There was like a hundred people in the stands. Then they lost 27 to 24 to North Carolina. Then they were a nine point favorite to Duke and lost 45, 21. Then they were a seven and a half point underdog to FSU and lost 45 to three. And then to Pitt, they lost 42 to 16 in the regular season finale as a six and a half point favorite. Um, mm. I think Pitt was down, weren't they down to like um, uh, uh, maybe even a third string quarterback at that point? Whatever the case, they lost 40 to 10 at Clemson. Um, yeah, they quit on him. Now, Tyler Van Dyke is a talented quarterback. Um, he could have a bounce back uh, year. He, he did. He missed uh, three games last year. And they do have 10 starters back on defense, nine on offense. Um, but they were, let's see, they were minus 104 net yardage last year, minus three in turnover margin. Um, they do have good talent, though. So they got 16 transfers out of the portal. Six of them are four stars. But I initially marked them five and four uh, with three swing games, but I made the A&M game a loss for Miami. And then the other uh, swing game at Boston College, which is in cold weather and on a short week on a Friday, I gave Miami a win there, but that's not a, a guaranteed win by any means. And then I left Louisville at home as a swing game. But so I still have them six and five with one swing game against Louisville. So seven and five at best, in my opinion. So Arkansas at even money. Now, if you if you're heavily invested in Arkansas over six and a half, like I am, maybe you're kind of just adding more to a similar type bet. But I just don't think Miami's going to be that good. So I'm not against it. Arkansas even money. And if an Arkansas fan has a special hatred for Miami, like I do as a Gator fan, <laughs> all the all the better to have this. Uh, rooting gambling interest in negative to the hurricane. So I'm all for it. Um, And Blake, you want me to just kind of list out these other matchup props we we can discuss? So um, yeah, so DraftKings, it just takes teams and matches them up. Most regular, just regular season specific uh, wins and puts varying prices. So uh, here's some of the other ones. So we've got North Carolina, uh, minus 155 to at Texas A&M at plus 130. We've got Bama minus 250 to the Vols. We've got a couple of uh, SEC matchups here, uh, the Vols being plus 210. We've got Auburn minus 260 against Peyton Thorne's old team, uh, Michigan yeah. State at plus 220. This is an interesting one. Vandy minus 175 versus Coach Prime's Colorado Buffs, who are plus 140. I found this to be another interesting one because this is two uh, pretty good teams. NC State minus 120 to Kentucky, which is minus mm, 10. The Devin Leary Bowl. Yes, sir. Yeah, they've matched up these uh, transfer QBs. LSU is minus 185 to a team they faced in uh, at least in bowl games at least twice in the last decade, maybe even three times 
in the last dozen or so years. That's LSU minus 185 to Notre Dame, which is plus 150. Mississippi State and the Gators are matched up. Uh, Bulldogs minus 165, UF plus 140. Another SEC matchup, Missouri minus 130 to South Carolina plus 100. We, we can talk that one. I was just slightly surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was Pickham, but slightly surprised Mizzou being uh, the favorite there. And then a rematch of that pimp slap Texas Tech gave Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus 120 to Texas Tech. Minus one ten. Uh, are you a little surprised, Missouri's a, a slight so, favorite there? Here's the thing about Missouri, and and I I look at their schedule, and and again, I, we may have talked about this before, all the stuff we do. I'm like, I don't remember who who I talked about to what, sure. but I know that if you look at the kind of the way their schedule starts, I think that's one of the most interesting things for me is they play their first four games in the state of the Missouri because they have the the St. Louis game against Memphis, but they got South Dakota. Middle Tennessee, Kansas State at home, which that's a, I think that's a tough one, but it's in Columbia. So, you know, as we always say, weird things happen in Columbia. Look at the Georgia game last year. And then after that, they go to Vanderbilt. I feel like they have got, and I don't remember exactly what you said on their record, but I feel like Missouri is the kind of team that has pretty much an entire schedule full of like swing games, minus probably at Georgia, you know, probably home against Tennessee. Um, We just know they have just not had success against Tennessee as we've seen, but like, I don't think they're going to beat LSU at home, but again, you'd rather have them in Columbia than you would Baton Rouge. And then you just look up and down the line. Like there's so many of those games that this thing, if it goes great for Eli Drinkwitz and this is kind of the breakthrough year, I can see it, but I can also see the things just completely falling off because there are a lot of those games that I feel like are lower spread type games one way or the other. And so that's the way I look at it in Missouri, but like with South Carolina, you know, more I look at their schedule, I mean, they got to go to Georgia. They got to go to Tennessee. They got the game against North Carolina to start off with, the top 25 team. They got to go to A&M. So, like, I think if you just build in three losses at Georgia, at Tennessee, at A&M, which I'm not saying they can't – well, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia, but, you know, who knows with the other two. We've seen um, them them do some good things. But, you know, they've also got the the game against Clemson at the end of the season. They got to go to Missouri. Um, I don't hate South Carolina's schedule that much. So, I think that it does surprise me a little bit just in terms of that, if you just throw out the games that are on the road that are probably going to be hard to win, you know, the rest of them, even the game against Clemson at home at the end of the season, you know, I mean, they play their, I'm actually, yeah, I forgot about that. They play their last four games at home, Jacksonville state, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, yeah. Clemson, all at home to finish the season. So I, I am a little surprised that Missouri's favoring that. Even if I think Missouri has a better start to their schedule, mm-hmm. I still do. Oh, that's tough. That's a tough one for me. So yeah, I see what you're saying with Mizzou. I mean, I think they get LSU at home. They're uh, they should be no worse than four and one, and maybe yeah. five and zero oh, um, if they can beat K State and avoid an upset at Vandy. <clears throat> so yeah, th- then they're off to a good start. You know, this one might just come down to the fact that Missouri and South Carolina play each other, and they play at. Mizzou. So that might have been just the the swing thing that made them uh, put those uh, odds on it. But um, and they yeah, both and, have to play Florida, and so it's like who knows, right? right? Like, I'm yeah, sorry, and, as, as yes. I know you're the, you're the resident Florida guy, no, but like, yeah, who knows what you're going to get in those two games? So and, as we saw with South Carolina, right? Like, they could beat Tennessee the following week, but they could also lose to Florida thirty eight to six or whatever. So who knows? yeah, and, and it's the same venue, Florida being on the road at Mizzou. Yeah. And at South Carolina, and as you know, and you know, you pointed out 
uh, at Texas A&M, I don't think he's called it a guaranteed L, but I will also note that that's a brutal spot for South Carolina. A&M has two weeks to prepare, whereas South Carolina hosts Florida in a revenge game. They'll be gunning for off an open date two weeks prior, and then they have to travel out to Missouri, go back to South Carolina, and then travel to College Station. Yeah. And while AM's chilling at home. So that that's not a good spot for South Carolina. And it's a game they're going to be an underdog in regardless. And if I'm not mistaken, they've never won at AM. Yeah. So it just looks like they are 0 and 5, not just straight up. Oh, wait, has lost last five. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My my fault. I'm reading a, a certain stat. Well, they have lost all four meetings at AM since AM came in the SEC. They did go two and two against the spread, though, but they have lost all four of them. Um, yeah, so so this bet is the pass uh for me. Um, but I did think that was interesting. Now, the one that I, I find interesting is Colorado at plus 140. Um, now in all you guys' conversation, um, about Vandy, did did any of y'all like ha- have a certain win? Or y'all have them at like, or what do you think they're going to win? Four, five? So I think I can't remember if Chris said this or not, but like I think there is a belief that they could start four and zero. Although I think the game at Wake Forest, even I don't know why, it gets I think it's the Vanderbilt effect, and I hate to say that, but it's like you just sometimes you just assume they're going to maybe lose a game that you really think they could win, and they just wind up losing it, but. Really, if you look at Vanderbilt's first one, two, what, first six games? I mean, even seven if you add Florida in. Because, again, like we said, who knows with Florida? Hawaii, Alabama A&M, at Wake Forest, at UNLV, home against Kentucky, home against Missouri, at Florida. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be 7-0 by any means. But I don't know that I see a game in there where I'm just like, yeah, Vandy's going to get blown out by... They're all winnable. They're all winnable. Every one of them. Yeah. So, but, but that's the problem is we've done this with Vanderbilt before. And again, this may just be the, you know, the Vanderbilt tie of the past, but it is something you have to look at because like they do all feel winnable. We know they're not going to be seven and oh, but yeah, like I think that probably I would venture to say, and without looking at any other schedule, I would have to imagine that if there is, there's no other SEC schedule that sets up better through seven games than the one Vanderbilt has. Yes, I agree. I so, agree. Now in the back stretch, now that gets, that gets a little worrisome. At, Auburn, <laughs> Auburn at home is the only one that's winnable, yeah. in my opinion. But I think all seven. I mean, I mean, look, they they beat Florida and Kentucky last year. They only lost by three at Mizzou, and they get them at home. So all of those are winnable. I look. I if the and Wake Forest is going to be favored in that game. But now Wake did lose Donovan Green, their stud uh, wide receivers out three to five months. So he won't be playing in that game. But um, if, if, if Vandy at Wake was pick them, I, I think, I think I'd be putting a, a good chunk on, on Wake Forest. So I do think they lose it. Not that you were implying that they win it, but, um, Just, but yeah. yeah. So, but now, so we look at Colorado and, and I feel like every time I've listened to VEASAN or any, you know, whatever radio shows. I mean, I think people think that that, that Colorado, I mean, the win total is three and a half. I mean, I think they're going to win four and maybe five, um, but I don't know that it's like their schedule is brutal. I mean, their road games, I mean, they're at TCU, at Oregon, 
Um, at Arizona State might be winnable. Um, at UCLA, at Washington State, Washington State's like middle tier uh, Pac-12. At Utah, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think they're going to beat Oregon State at home or USC. But look, they can beat Nebraska at home. They will beat Colorado State at home, in my opinion. Um, I I think they'll have a good chance against Stanford. Although I will point out, Stanford has two weeks to prepare for them, whereas Colorado will be playing its seventh game in seven uh, weeks, and it's a Friday game, so it's a short week for Colorado, and Stanford just will be off. Stanford's going to be terrible, but I do like their coach, and I do think he will get that thing going eventually, but just not uh, this year. So anyway, um, it, it's a pass for me. I, I will say I do think Colorado is going to be better than a lot of people think. I, I didn't play over three and a half on them, but uh, I could see them getting to five, uh, especially if, if Shadur Sanders uh, is able to stay healthy because I think he's going to yeah. be really good. And look, they're going to play Travis Hunter receiver some. They've got a good receiver. Uh, and Jimmy Horn, uh, Joe Horn's son, uh, has been a good player at South Florida the last couple of years. And um, they also got a good receiver, Xavier Weaver, who at USF um, started 21 career games, 1,735 career receiving yards. And, man, their running backs, I mean, Kavosi Smoke, we're all familiar with. Alton McCaskill, really good running back from Houston. I, I'm not – I know he was, like, practicing on a limited basis. He's coming off an injury. I don't even know if he's going to be ready uh, for the Frogs. That's who Colorado gets next Saturday in week one. And I do have a little small play on Colorado plus 21 uh, in that one. What a swan song this could be for the Pac-12. Um, they're just going to they've completely imploded, but this could be the most entertaining football season in the Pac-12, I think, in, in a while. When you just look at the top, I mean, this, and like I said, even a Colorado team that is interesting for different reasons. But, sure. um, you know, yeah, you, you just think about the, the, the talent that's there, Utah, Washington, Oregon, USC, and just keep going down the line. Um, yeah, it's it could be a lot of fun for – Pac-12 fans who um, will be watching their team go elsewhere next season so or and beyond. But there you go, uh, Brian. This was a fun one again, just kind of looking at all these different um, odds. And, and I do like these the, the regular season win matchups. I'm finding myself very intrigued by because that's not always one that I've, I've looked at before. But now that I look at some of these, these are definitely uh, pretty fascinating when you look at, like I said, especially the SEC versus SEC ones. Um, I really like to, to, to see what's going to happen with some of those. So I, I bet uh, I bet some of our uh, Tennessee Vol listeners are, are going to be intrigued with the plus 210 against Alabama. Yeah, that is true. I mean, as we've said, um, Alabama, we'll, we'll see. It's uh, We're getting closer to, to seeing exactly what Nick Saban has. And usually it's pretty good, but will it be? What it's been every year, we'll find out. So, uh, but again, Brian, uh, we appreciate it as always. Anything you want to kind of plug there uh, before we wrap up? Well, um, I wrote a in-depth preview of Notre Dame and Navy that's on Major Wager. It's in the top headlines on the top right of the homepage, and I also, <clears throat> excuse me, I did uh, Week Zero uh, Tips Part One. Uh, part One is up on the homepage, and that is <clears throat> previews of. Um, uh, UTEP at Jacksonville State on um, uh, Saturday, uh, and also Ohio uh, at San Diego State, 
and um, missing one. What's the other one? Uh, um, oh, and UMass at New Mexico State, yep. which obviously I, I said I'm on New Mexico State. And so part two will be up either later today or early tomorrow, and that'll have previews of San Jose State at USC, FIU at La Tech, and uh, is that it? Uh, oh, no, in Hawaii at Vanderbilt, the, the entire preview. Check that out, majorwager.com. And again, uh, be sure to follow Brian's work uh, everywhere else. You can see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen there as well. But uh, guys, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you want more betting stuff, we are about to actually play games. And so uh, it's going to get a lot more exciting here as we move forward uh, and talk to Brian each week about all these different uh, spreads and, and betting tips on these games. So hit that subscribe button. Check out everything else on the channel. Lots of stuff to get you ready for the start of the season. Week zero is here. And uh, again, we appreciate you watching and listening on the podcast feed as well. Um, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. And thanks again for watching. And we'll talk to you again here soon at Southeastern 14.